This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. 653. And go for Mike Slater in 3, 2, 1. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater is America's the greatest country in the world. Uh, Memorial Day weekend. I, I hope you have a, a, a meaningful Memorial Day weekend. We're going to play uh, tribute to our fallen service members with a segment or two coming up a little later. I have a story to share. It's it's I don't it's one of the best stories I've ever heard. It's it's so it's so good. I'll tell you, I was preparing it the other day. I'll admit, crying, and my wife walked in. She's like, "What's wrong?" I said, it's just the best story I've ever read in my life. So I'll share it with you coming up in a little bit. I want to start here though. Uh, I want to combine two stories from the last few days. Because they're the same principle. And you know, if you listen to the show a lot, when you deal with principles, uh, it relates to everything, right? So we can talk about seemingly different topics, but they all relate to the same principles. And this is a similar thing. So I'm sure you saw yesterday or the other day, more undercover Planned Parenthood videos. And these are by the same guys who are you know, charged with 15 counts of felony in California for recording undercover video, which by the way, they will not be charged with because they did not break the law. We'll save that for another day. But anyway, they, they released some new videos. Um, this is the medical director of Planned Parenthood of Michigan. She said, given that we actually see the fetus the same way, and given that we might actually both agree that there's violence here, let's just give them, the pro-life people, let's just give them all the violence. It's a person. It's killing. Let's just give them all that. Director of Abortion Services of Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast. And by the way, this is in, these are in um, like uh, conferences, right? So there's like a panel discussion and they're up on stage and there's, you know, 10 of these people and they get the microphone. So this isn't a private one-on-one conversation. These are, this is a public event. Uh, Abortion Services, Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast. If I'm doing a procedure and I'm seeing that I'm in fear that it's about to come to the navel, I might ask for a second set of forceps to hold the baby at the cervix and pull off a leg or two so it's not a partial birth abortion. This is Abortion Services Director of Planned Parenthood in New York City. We certainly do intact dilation and extractions. That's a partial birth abortion. That's illegal. Uh, This is the founder of a different abortion group. An eyeball just fell down into my lap, and that is gross. And the crowd laughs. An eyeball just fell into my lap. 
And that is gross. It's weird. I, th- I thought it was just a clump of cells. We'll stop there. You get the idea. Uh, these people are uh, very deceived. So I want to tie this into the most recent terrorist attack in Manchester. The morning after, I guess it would be two mornings after because it happened at night and once we found out the people who were killed. So it was two mornings after. Every newspaper in England had the same picture on their front cover. Every single one. It was the picture of the eight-year-old girl who was killed by the terrorist. Now, I don't know if you got a chance to watch TV news. We're going we're gonna to talk, uh, talk about some cable news stuff coming up in a little bit. And I think when we share this story in a little, it'll change how you watch cable news. I hope it does. But Chris Matthews on MSNBC, they did, you know, when the show started, they did a quick little, uh, you know, explosions in Manchester. Right? They're calling it the Manchester explosion as if, you know, like a pipe burst or an air conditioning unit exploded by accident somehow. The Manchester explosion, not the terrorist attack, but the Manchester explosion like a spontaneous combustion just occurred. Some people happened to be standing nearby. But they did a quick little intro, and then Chris Matthews said, we'll get to the latest on that in a minute. But first, the shocking news in Washington tonight. And it was about Trump and Russia. Click over to CNN. Got someone on there talking about how right-wing extremists have tried to frame Muslims with recent terrorist attacks, and you're like, what, what What? are you talking about? When has that ever happened? The next morning, Stephanopoulos talking to Martha Raddatz about how this is likely to inflame anti-Islamic sentiment across Europe. And Martha Raddatz says, yes, it will likely create backlash. No, it won't. It never does. That's the point. It never does. American media has not shown the face well, the face is of the 22 people killed and has not shown the face of that eight-year-old little girl. So what's amazing about our lack of response to this attack. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. There's plenty of response. Um, you know, candlelight vigils, change your Facebook profile picture. Uh, well, we used to light buildings up the colors of the flag where the terrorist attack occurred, but now we turn the lights off of buildings and that's supposed to that's supposed to make them stop. And uh, I don't know if anyone has video of anyone uh, playing and singing Imagine on a random piano on a sidewalk. But usually, like that, that usually happens after every terrorist attack. So, so we, we respond. That's, that's how we respond to terrorist attacks. And then they just happen over and over again, shockingly. But our lack of actual response after these terrorists target and kill Little girls. The fact that that doesn't get a rise out of us. That's the worst part of all. As if killing innocent adults isn't bad enough. The fact that these terrorists target and kill little girls and we're still brushing it off. Here's the bottom line. Men protect women. Adults protect kids. Follow that. Men protect women. Adults protect kids. So it's logical that men protect little girls. Right? Adult men protect children, girls, who will one day, if they're not killed by terrorists, grow up to become women, and men protect women. See how that works? Remember the San Bernardino terrorist attack? 
we told the story of Shannon Johnson, a 45-year-old man who, when the terrorists came in and started firing, everyone falls to the ground. He peeks his head up and he sees just a, a couple feet away, a 27-year-old coworker, female. And amid the gunfire, he crawls over to her and covers her. He gets on top of her and covers her and says, I got you. He died. She survived. That's how it works. It should never work any other way. The boy goes down. The girl goes free. We know it's true. We know it's true. Don't deny it. If in your brain right now you're thinking of scenarios, do not deny it. If there's a bump in the night, there's not a man or not, not a decent man in the country who hides under his blanket and says to his wife, baby, go check that out. Remember the Aurora, uh, Colorado Batman movie theater shooting? There were men under the age of 30 who jumped on their girlfriends to save their lives. There were three men who did this. They were killed and the three girlfriends survived. Not wives, not sisters, girlfriends. Because they know deep down, rooted inside all of us, the boy goes down and the girl goes free. Men are hardwired to protect. So let's apply that principle, which we all know to be true to these two different topics. We'll bring it to abortion first. Like, imagine, imagine if there was a shooting and you used your baby to shield yourself from the bullets. Like, that, that's impossible to fathom. That would never happen. Like, that's so absurd. Like, that visual of someone's firing at you so you pick your baby up to protect yourself. Like, what are you talking about? So, like, that's absurd and we all know it. But now imagine willfully ripping apart a baby in someone's womb. It should be equally impossible to imagine. But it happens about a million times a year. And men should be outraged. Men should be outraged. Now let's bring it to the terrorist attack. The fact that this attack targeted little girls, the manly protector side in all of us, everyone in England, everyone in America, everyone in the Western world should say, all right, guys, way too far. It's all too far. Don't get me wrong. But at least you can kind of say like, all right, the terrorist attack in Chattanooga, it was an attack on the military, like totally cowardly and all the rest, obviously. But you're like, all right, military attack. Look at the Orlando terrorist attack. That was an attack on gay people and everyone freaked. But an attack on little girls? And people, MSNBC feels like, it still feels like it's not as important as the latest with Trump and Russia. That is messed up. I don't care about your defined gender roles and how we need to re-question gender roles and he, she, z, different pronouns, nonsense. The boy goes down, the girl goes free. And the fact that they targeted these little girls and still doesn't get a rise out of us, we are dead already. We are dead already. one 900 3393 Mike Slater show the blaze radio network spread the word you're listening to Mike Slater on the blaze radio network
Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. This is Mike Slater. On Thursday morning, I had the chance to go speak to a, a group of sixth graders, 64 sixth graders at a local school. And we talked about Memorial Day, and it was great. I was really nervous to talk to sixth graders. I've talked to younger kids, I've talked to high schoolers, but never sixth graders. A wild card about sixth graders. But they were perfect. They were awesome. They're super sweet and well behaved and engaged. I talked to a friend of mine. He's a former principal of K through six. And I ran by some of those. I told three stories of, of, um, of service members and they're kind of heavy. Like it was kind of a lot. And one of them was about the baton death march. And I was like, can six graders handle this? And he's like, Oh yeah, they can. And they just picked up every single note. It was, it was so much fun. Anyway, um, I kicked off saying, Oh, you know, it's great to be here. Uh, I've never talked to a group of sixth graders. Uh, you know, I'm a new dad. I have a seven month old at home. Every single girl there. So imagine there's 65, 64, six graders. Uh, they're all sitting Indian style or crisscross applesauce, uh, in, uh, on the carpet. And I go, you know, I got a seven month old at home. Every single girl goes, Aww. hilarious. And I go, Hey guys, Come on, where's the awe? And they're like, oh. <laughs> there was another moment. I was uh, telling a story. You've heard it before. It's about Jesse Brown and Tom Hudner. And the, the real general short of it is, it was like a scene out of the notebook. And there's a, the man is dying. Jesse's dying. And uh, Tom has to make a choice. Do I leave now? Or do I stay and die with my best friend? And he was deciding what to do. And he turns around and the guy who stuck Jesse says, Tom, tell my wife, I love her. And the sixth grade girls, they literally clutched their chests. They they put both their hands over their heart and went, it was, I was like, oh my gosh, you totally got that story. Good for you guys. Right. Okay. So that was the girls. Then the boys, they reacted to the stories of heroism. The, the stories of call to arms. I told the story of Bud Fink, World War II uh, veteran, who, when he heard about Pearl Harbor on the radio in his house, never heard of it before. And I think he was in Ohio. I was like, well, why would, why, if you ever lived in Ohio in 1941, why would you have heard of Pearl Harbor in Hawaii? I'd never heard of it. But after he heard what happened, he left his house, went right downtown to the local recruitment center, and the line was around the block. Totally around the block. So he stands in line. And it gets dark out and the recruitment guys come out and they say, all right, everyone, we're going home for the night. Go home, come back tomorrow. No one moved. Not only did no one move, but the moms went home. They made soup and brought back soup and blankets to the men waiting in line to join the military, to fight for America, to protect our honor. 
There was nothing that was going to stop them from doing that. And every single boy, every single sixth grader in the room stood tall when I told that story. They loved the call to arms. I bring this up because these are natural reactions that boys and girls have, that men and women have to things. And I saw it as pure as can be in these sixth graders three days ago. So let me just apply it to the stories we were just talking about with abortion. It is a woman's natural state to love and nurture. It is a woman's natural, natural instinct to love and to nurture. It is a man's natural instinct to protect. I'm not saying men can't love and nurture and women can't protect as well, but just go with it. If women or men are not doing that thing, then there's something that's preventing that from happening properly. There's something in the way. Fear. Guilt. Anger. Mostly fear in this situation, probably. But the solution to this is not to go against every natural instinct. It's not to go with the fear. It's not to let the guilt take over. It's not to bathe in anger because you're feeling these things. The solution is to work through the fear and then let the natural instincts reveal themselves and thrive. Act on those. If someone's not acting on those, then there's something in the way. Get rid of the thing in the way. Women nurture, men protect. Abortion is the opposite of these instincts. And for these female doctors that we just talked about a second ago in this new undercover video, these female doctors to joke and laugh about how difficult it is to rip apart a fetus and how gross it is to have an eyeball fall into your lap. Women doctors. For men to not fight to save babies' lives. There's, there's, there's so much deceit going on in their minds. There's something in the way of their natural instincts and they don't even see it. They don't even know it. Well, some do. They all do. <laughs> it just depends how good you are at ignoring it on purpose. I talked to one abortion doctor who performed abortions for years, but he finally realized how strange it was that he would be in one room in his office talking to a woman about all the lengths they were going to go through to save her baby's life. And the woman is distraught and upset and they're praying and, and he's, I'm going to do everything I can. And then he would literally walk across the hallway and then no exaggeration. He would open the door of that one patient, like and close the door behind him, walk across the hallway, open up another door and there'd be a woman in there. He'd perform an abortion. She's like, what, what am I doing? And he couldn't take it anymore. He did it for years, but he knew something was wrong the whole time. So he said, all right, well, what am I, what's, what am I doing? Am I, am I like, which is wrong is saving babies lives wrong or is taking babies lives wrong. One of these is wrong. So I'm going to stop doing one of them. And he chose properly. The point of the segment is to say that the people who do this, who have abortions, they're, they're not evil. It's that there are uh, fears and emotions crowding out the truth in them and making the, their instincts difficult to, to shine. And the goal of our society needs to be to help people to make it through their fear, to work through their fear and let their natural ingrained instincts and again, because I'm doing two, two topics on this one principle, 
with terrorism. The fact that these terrorists targeted targeted gay people than there was the terrorists targeted little girls. Just be for real, like with uh, Orlando. They can target, kill little girls. And hmm, what's the best we do? Candlelight vigil? It's fine. Candlelight vigil is fine to mourn. It's so, so it, candlelight vigil is for the past and maybe for the present, but it's certainly not for the future. Still no action. Like what, what would they have to do? I think, I think they'd have to like terrorists have to blow up a puppy mill or something. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like that would be the only thing that would really get people's attention. What more do they have to do? I bet they're ticked off. ISIS is ticked off. Like what do we have to do to get the people mad at us? I know. Let's kill a bunch of little girls. Nope. Didn't work. Amazing. 1-888-933-93. I want to come back with um, a clip from Mark Stein. He did a debate a couple months ago. Really good about immigration and culture. I think it's relevant here. We'll play that next. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On The Blaze Radio Network. listening to Mike Slater. Do you remember a while back? Must have been, I think it was right when he became president or something. Um, Trump made a comment about Sweden. Remember he said, uh, you know, we got to keep our country safe. You look at what's happening. We've got to keep our country safe. You look at what's happening in Germany. You look at what's happening last night in Sweden. Sweden, who would believe this? Sweden. They took in large numbers. They're having problems like they never thought possible. You look at what's happening in Brussels. You look at what's happening all over the world. Remember that quote? And he was mocked just incessantly by the left, a smug mockery about what happened in Sweden last night. Right? They couldn't. They, they focused on on that line. He remember he said, "Look at what's happening last night in Sweden." Now, the verb tense there is all screwed up. <laughs> what's happening last night? That doesn't make sense. Happening is an active verb. It's happening, like it's going on right now but nothing can be happening last night. It happened last night, but it couldn't, it couldn't have happening last night. That doesn't make sense. So because the left, the press, the media, they tra- take Trump literally. They don't take him seriously. They're looking for reasons to mock him. They, of course, assume the worst about that sentence. And they say nothing happened in Sweden last night. There was no attack in Sweden last night. There was nothing in Sweden last night. Well, what Trump was talking about was a Fox News report that he saw last night about the rise of rape in Sweden. The happening was in reference to the large numbers of refugees who are coming in. It's sloppy, sloppy talk, but of course they assume the worst. And they jumped on the, you know what, terrorist guy, what an idiot. Well, do you remember, like, it was the next day, there were a bunch of riots in Sweden. So Trump actually turned out to be right, but that's neither here nor there. In light of the terrorist attack in Manchester the other day, I want to play the clip here 
of a debate that it was between two progressives and two conservatives. I actually want to play more from this debate coming up in the, in the weeks to come because it's really good. But this part here uh, relates. So two progressives, two conservatives, the conservative, it doesn't matter who the progressives are. It's like someone from the UN and some professor and the, sorry, it doesn't matter who the progressives are. The conservatives are Nigel Farage, who is the leader of Brexit and Mark Stein. So I want to play a clip here of Mark Stein. I think this is his opening statement. Uh, so here it is in that he talks about Madam Ardor. Madam Ardor is one of the progressives in the debate. So that's who he's referencing one, one of the people he's debating against when he says Madam Ardor. All right, 1377, here's. Do we have the clip, man? Son of a gun. Do we uh, do we not have the clip? This is where I sing to fill the time. Should I should I just tell everyone what he says? All right, keep trying. Just let me. If I can hear it, I'll stop talking. Um, we'll try to figure this out by the next break if we don't get it. But the main point at the end, because I don't want to steal anything he says in the beginning, because it's so good, and only Mark Stein could say it this way. But at the end. He says, Madam Ardor, I'd love to know what parts of, it's about immigration in, in Europe, what parts of Sudanese culture you would love to bring to England? I would love to know what part of Yemen's culture would you love to bring to England? What part of Saudi Arabia's culture would you love to bring to England? Is it the child brides? Is it the forced marriage? Is it throwing gay people off buildings. What, what, which, which of these things would you love to see come to the Western world? Do you think we have it? Okay, let's go here. Madam Arbour was the first prosecutor ever to charge rape as a crime against humanity. Uh, in 2007, she published an important report uh, on the use of rape in Sudan as a weapon of war. It was a distressing report. She documented 15 individual cases of sexual assault, including rape, and victims as young as 14. If Madame Arbour were to publish a similar report on Germany today, she'd be able to cite more than 500 cases from just one night in just one town, Cologne on New Year's Eve. And victims as young as three, three years old, a three-year-old raped by a migrant. A seven-year-old girl was gang-raped by five migrants in Hamburg just a few days ago. On Wednesday, a schoolgirl was gang-raped on the ferry from Sweden uh, to Finland. Migrant rights now trump children's rights. What a pity Madame Arbour's successor at the UN isn't interested in producing a report on that rape epidemic. The police chief of Vienna has advised women that it's no longer safe to go out unaccompanied. Migrant rights trump the right to freedom of movement. It's easy to shrug, oh, well, it's just a few disabled kids, just anecdotes. So forget the anecdotes and run the numbers. In Europe, with unaccompanied minors, 90% are male, which means that in one year, Swedish adolescents now have a more distorted uh, sex differential than China does after 30 years of its totalitarian one-child policy. In China, there are 119 boys for every girl. Among Swedish adolescents, 
Just from the last year's importation, it is now 123 boys for every girl. That's a fact, a fact of life. And I hope tonight we'll put aside the sentimentalism、uh, that often attends this subject and stick with the facts. Madame Arbour said some things that、uh, I agree with. She said recently, "Why are we always talking about the danger that these people will transform us? They may transform us for the better." So she and I agree that immigration on this scale is transformative. The only difference is that Madame Arbour thinks it's for the better, and I don't. And I'm genuinely curious to know what aspects of Afghan and Syrian and Sudanese culture. Uh, that uh, she would like us to be transformed by women's rights, fast-track justice whereby gays get thrown off rooftops, polygamy, child brides, clitoridectomies, the bracing commitment to free speech. I would like an answer on that from Madame Arbour tonight. Thank you very much. It's great stuff because that crowd is not、uh, not a conservative crowd, and they're still applauding the Mark, Stein, Mark Stein's opening statements. So, so my point is here. It's possible. I, I want to start here. I'm not. I'm not even going to say it as a declarative fact. I'm going to say it is possible, and let's just get as many people on this bandwagon as possible. It's possible that cultures are incompatible. I'll give an example、uh, that I'm fascinated by. So, a couple friends of mine have been to Afghanistan, and, and they've told me this: that we live in America. We live in a guilt-based culture. So, we have an inner conscience that tells us when we do something wrong. Right, that conscience tells us not to do this bad thing. So that's us, and, and that's the Western world generally, a guilt-based culture. In Afghanistan, they have a shame-based culture, where nothing you do is wrong until you're caught. And if you do something wrong, even though there's no concept of that, the first rule is don't get caught. You must always bluff your way through it. The last thing you do is admit you did something wrong, because then you'll be publicly shamed. So there is no inner conscience directing your actions. It's entirely based off of will I get caught. So it's guilt-based versus shame-based. So what happens in this culture is no one's ever honest, and because you know this about yourself, you then never trust anyone else. You're suspicious of everyone. So you take someone from a shame-based culture, which relies on getting away with things. There's no concept of honesty; it doesn't exist. Now, there's other concepts that, that there may be stronger, like loyalty. Like they're very strong with loyalty, but not with honesty, right? But so there's different aspects. But I'm just taking this one. So let's say you're from a shame-based culture, no such thing as honesty, and and it relies on getting away with things. And that person moves into a guilt-based culture, America, England, wherever, which relies on trust. It doesn't work. That just doesn't work. Something's got to give. Now, call me an Islamophobe or a bigot or whatever, but I feel like the person moving into a foreign location needs to try and, and acclimate to the place they're moving to and change and become more like that culture. But, and this is the point, many refugees don't. The reason I talked about Sweden in the beginning of the segment is I got to take a break here, but I want to come back and play a video from Ami Horowitz, who went to、uh, parts of Sweden that had been taken over by by Muslim refugees, and he goes around and he asks,、uh, he asks people a couple questions. But the one I want to play is, you know, what do you think about all these rapes that are going on in Muslim、uh, in、uh, 
Sweden. You know, Sweden per capita is as the second most rapes of any other country in the world behind Laos in Africa. That's it. Laos and then Sweden. What the heck? So he's asking people, you know, what's the blame for this rise in, in, uh, in rapes? You're not going to believe what they say. Unbelievable. I'll do that next. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. On The Blaze Radio Network. So uh, Ami Horowitz goes to Sweden, asks Swedish people if the rise in rape and sexual assaults is a Muslim problem. Here, what's the, here's what they say. Do you think the sexual assault problem is an Islamic problem? Or, no, or not no, really? no. I think it's um, a general problem among, among men. Yeah, the problem isn't like this culture or that culture. The problem is male culture. I don't think the immigrant is the problem. No, it's not. Like, that's just a, like a tiny, tiny bit of the problem. And like, when that happen happens, like it's because we didn't like uh, bring uh, bring them in in the right way. And I don't see that connection at all. And I would very much like to see the evidence of such a connection. Do you think it's it's almost racist to make that connection? Yes, I think so. Is there a point where you think that Sweden's done too much to bring people in, or do you think there's no? There is no too much in helping people. And is there a limit, do you think, to how many immigrants Sweden can take? No. No. Okay. Um, so why, 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 are there, why is Sweden the number two rape country in the world behind Laos? Uh, so the Swedish politicians say that people are more likely to report it now than ever before for some reason. So, so they say rape always used to be this high, but just now we're learning more about it, which is a strange excuse admitting that this is normal Swedish behavior. Um, second, they say that the laws have changed so that more crimes are classified as sexual assault than ever before. So again, they're saying that rape's always been this high. My third favorite is that they say Swedish men can't handle, handle increased equality between the sexes and then react with more violence against women. That's That one's rich. We don't have time to go into not only race, but they're, they're horrific assaults happening all the time. Mark Stein referenced a gang rape on a ferry, and all the headlines in the local newspaper said several Swedish men suspected of rape on the ferry. And uh, Swedish men, several Swedish men, and uh, they were seven Somalis and one Iraqi. None of, none of them were Swedish. And then the newspapers were asked why they referred to these males as Swedish, and the newspaper said it was irrelevant. Again, it's a male problem. Anything to say it's not a Muslim problem. Just And one last example here of how political correctness can, can blind us. There was a music festival in Sweden. There is a music festival. And last year, 35 girls between the ages of 12 and 17 said that they were sexually assaulted at the festival by foreign youths. This is their own words. 
Five women were raped. And these are just the women who reported it, right? So what would happen is a group of migrants would surround a girl in two circles and the animals in the middle circle or the, the, the smallest circle would assault the girl while the other men or in the outer circle would distract it all and make it look like just a normal crowd. It was so blatant that bands, including Mumford and Sons, the most popular band, said they will not they will not play at this festival again until this is brought under control. And I just want to be clear, it's the police who say that these are young men, young foreign men, young men who are foreigners. And they're not talking about Germans. And they arrested two boys in these assaults last year. Both of them live in a nearby asylum center for unaccompanied refugee children. Now, I'm not going to say that they're, they're not trying to stop it because the police, in response to all this, they've started a new program. Yeah, it's a new program. They, the police, they hand out bracelets that say don't molest on them. The, bra- the bracelets, they say don't, they say don't molest. <laughs> like regular people are molesting all the time. And they're going to look at their bracelet and be like, oh, I guess I'll, uh, I guess I'll stop. Right. So do you see how political correctness blinds us to reality and makes us so stupid? And we're doing the same thing with these terrorist attacks as well. Doing everything we can to repress the obvious. Even as I was saying earlier, a targeted attack on little girls. And we're still blaming something. There's an article in Slate that literally blamed male patriarchy. Something about Ariana Grande is was propped up by male patriarchy and girls go to the concert and the terrorist was targeting male patriarchy and girls got caught. It was like some like, what are you talking about? Anything to avoid the obvious. It's wild how, how deep the, uh, the desire to be ignorant is. Coming up next, I want to talk about why 26% of Americans are atheists. That's next. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.